Episode of the Jigsaw. Third time's a charm. Is is that a thing or is it second time's a charm? Either way, it is episode three <laughs> and y'all have been rocking with me from the very beginning and I am so excited. We have made it this far to our trilogy and we're going to keep going just to see where life takes us. But for all of you who are new, welcome to the Jigsaw where we talk about the perils, the praises, the productivity, and the pump and circumstance of being a real-life millennial trying to navigate the craziest puzzle piece ever created, and that is the jigsaw of life. Welcome to the podcast, y'all. I'm super excited about this week. I have an amazing special guest, my homeboy Brian Hare, who's going to join us in the virtual living room. We got some really great stuff to talk about on the Blessed Report and some kind of crazy-esque type stuff in the billboard and you know i got a rent for y'all a little bit later on toward the end but enough about all that let's go directly into the show let's get ready for our black excellence shout out of the week we like to call it the bless up report All right, this week on the Bless Up Report, we are going to shout out not necessarily an individual, but an entire university. We're going to shout out Texas Southern University. Um, for all of you who do know, you know there was a tragic killing of our dear brother George Floyd in Minneapolis, Minnesota about a week, two weeks ago maybe now, and he had a six-year-old daughter. And Texas Southern University has committed to providing George Floyd's six-year-old daughter with a full-ride scholarship to their university. Um, TSU's Board of Regents took to their social media account to announce that they approved a fund to provide this scholarship to his daughter, adding that um, they will have a safe place for her if she decides to go to the school. I think that's something absolutely amazing. And if Miss Gianna Floyd decides to go to that school, she would not have to worry about any tuition or being in any debt because who knows the astronomical prices of college by the time she um, becomes a freshman or whenever she decides to go to school. So shout out to TSU, making things happen. Black um, HBCUs are always doing the darn thing. And I'm so excited that they have the resources to be able to do so and make sure that she receives an education. Um tuition free. So shout out to her. Let's go into the billboard, our hot topics and current events for the week. So if you all know, the protests have been going all over the United States, really the globe. We see stuff even in Europe where they're tearing down um, murals and monuments and statues that were dedicated to former slave traders and slave owners. And I think it's all amazing. If we're going to tear anything up, let's tear that particular stuff down. Take them down, as my homegirl Tammy Sawyer back in Memphis would say. Uh, but something a little bit different happened. Mayor Muriel um, Bowser in Washington, D.C., mayor of D.C., commissioned that a mural that states Black Lives Matter was painted in the street. It spans about two blocks of 16th Street. Um, and she actually, not only did she commission the mural to be painted, but she also deemed those two blocks of 16th Street to be named Black Lives Matter Plaza. The beautiful thing about 16th Street in Washington, D.C., that it leads directly to the White House. So there's a little pettiness there. I see you, mayor. Um, but 
everyone was not so excited about the painting in the street. Some of the people called it performative. Um, even one of the Black Lives Matters leaders said that it was performative. And some people are just looking for more than, you know, murals and statements and things like that. But since you are a person who can actually affect change in a particular space, I think for her, they wanted more action. What does legislation look like in the city? What are you pushing as an executive leader within Washington, D.C. to help emphasize and push change right there? So I think it was dope, but I also understand the criticisms that calls it a performative action uh, when there could be more done. Who's to say that she's not doing more on the back end within her mayoral chambers, right? But I still think it's dope. I think if nothing else, it brings awareness and then it continues to make people pay attention and to listen to what is going on. Speaking of that, NASCAR, the popular race car um, organization, has prohibited the display of the Confederate flag at all of their events and on all of their properties. Um, they said, and I quote, that they are um, prohibiting the flag in an effort to provide an inclusive and welcoming environment to all. Now, the flag should have been taken down a long, 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 long time ago. And it should not have been a thing for public um, usage, and especially in public space. What you do in your private bigotry is your business. But we all know what that flag represents. As much you want to say it represents Southern pride, I'm from the South. Ain't nothing prideful about what that flag represents. So shout out to NASCAR for doing it. It's been a, it's been a long time coming. It should have happened years and years ago. It should have never been allowed in public spaces. But regardless of all of that, we are here now at this moment, and it is prohibited from all events, all races, and on all the official NASCAR properties. Um, I think it kind of has a theme today at the Billboard because Takashi 69 <laughs> and Nicki Minaj have collaborated on a new song. Um, and but Takashi uh, he put more emphasis on the fact that people didn't think he would be able to collaborate with anyone, especially anyone like on Nicki Minaj's character. Now, I'm not a big fan of not a big fan of Takashi 69. I really don't Really can't say that I could quote any of his music. I know I've heard some of it, but what I've heard I did not like. I am a, I'm not a barber, I'm not a Ken, I'm not any of that, but I'm a, I'm a low-key fan, a uh, real quiet fan <laughs> of Nicki Minaj. So I'm not particularly enthused about um, this collaboration. But what I will say that I liked is that she took to her social media account and she made it well aware that instead of putting emphasis on this new song and the collaboration or whatever the song is about, she put more emphasis on a percentage of the proceeds being given to the Bell Project Incorporated. So I think that is really dope because love her or hate her, she has her stand. She has millions upon millions of followers all over the world. And people are going to stream. People are going to buy. And especially all those little teenage girls who are everywhere who support her, no matter what she does, no matter what antics she finds herself in, they are going to buy and support and really push it because she's putting her name behind it and she's promoting a call. So shout out to Nikki for doing what I think a lot of celebrities should be doing, especially the ones who don't have who don't have anything good to say. Terry Crews, I'm side-eyeing you. I don't have time to talk about you today, but I'm side-eyeing you. Um, but yeah, especially celebrities who don't know what to say or who are saying really dumb stuff, be quiet and just use your platform to put your money where your mouth is, right? I think that that is a responsible way of using your platform if you do not 
know what to say if you are not well versed on the issues and things that are going on. So instead of you saying something really stupid and getting yourself in potential trouble with your sponsors or even your fans, just support the cause in a way that it is really easy for you to do. Write a check donate proceeds. I don't think that makes you any less of an activist or a supporter because like we talked about on last week's episode, activism looks very different for every single person. And you don't necessarily have to be on the front lines on the marches. You don't necessarily have to be the one making the phone calls and advocating to senators and legislators. But I heard um, one of the founders of, or one of the co-hosts rather, of Pod Save the People on another podcast talk about when they were protesting in Ferguson that there was an older black woman who provided dinners and water to all of the protesters because, you know, eating the those processed meals from McDonald's and things like that weren't really healthy while they were out there marching and then the streets and then the and then the um, the elements, right? The sun and the weather and all that kind of stuff that came with it. But her contribution was to make sure that those young protesters had a well-balanced, healthy, home-cooked meal every single day. She opened up her home for reprieve. She was a source of support and she understood that for them to be able to do the work that they needed a proper source of nutrition. So while she was never on the front lines, while she was never um, out there fighting and yelling and things like that, which is all important, she did her part to make sure that those who were fighting on the behalf of Mike Brown at the time, um, were had everything that they needed and it was a form of activism and it was her contribution to the cause and it was necessary so i said all of that to say that celebrities if you do not have um, all the knowledge that you need to have about the issues or if you don't know how to use your platform in a way that is going to push us forward in advocating for change and advocating for justice what you do have is a stacked bank account. And what you can do with that bank account is make sure that you distribute funds to places, well-researched and well-organized places that will help um, protesters get bailout funds for those who are unjustly arrested during some of these peaceful protests. What you can also do is use your influence and write checks to other organizations that provide resources to just black people and low-income families and justice reform organizations. These are the type of things that you can be doing. You could be sending other children to college, setting up college funds, you know what I'm saying? Like all different types of things that you could be doing with your resources. So if you don't know what to say, or if you don't have a really great publicist that can guide you in what to say, and even if you do and you don't want to listen to them, shout out to Shamik Moore, who we talked about last week, like, right, use your platform by way of resources to help the movement go forward. And I appreciate Nicki Minaj for doing that. I'm not going to tell y'all to go listen to the new Takashi Nicki Minaj collab. I'm probably going to listen to it just so I can see what it's about, but I can almost guarantee it's going to be a quarter of a percentage of trash. Um, and I mean that in the worst way. <laughs> so anyway, that's enough of that. Let's get to the meat and the potatoes of our episode. I can't wait for you to hear this conversation. It is going to be one for the record books. Let's go together and take a seat on the couch inside the virtual living room.
So what's going on, y'all? Welcome again to the living room. I have somebody here, um, one of my brothers, who's going to join me on the couch in the living room today. Um, great friend of mine, a brother for oof, maybe 12, 13 years now. Um, I think that's about right. So y'all, welcome to the living room, my brother, Brian here. What's going on, man? Hey, man. I'm glad to be here. I'm glad to be in the yep. living room. I'm glad to have you. So introduce yourself. Tell the people who you are, what you do. All right. I am Brian Hare. Uh, I'm unapologetically black. I got a black wife, black child. My mama's black. My dad. <laughs> <laughs> I love being black. Um, uh, it's just I love everything like that. Uh, yeah, that's me. Um, and I work in corporate America, uh, but I'm black as black can be. Listen, and I appreciate it. And he ain't lying. He is probably one of the blackest black people that I know. And I try, <laughs> I try to surround myself by with them. And it's so interesting that he introduced himself that way because that is exactly what today's episode and living room conversation is about. It is about living out loud and being authentic in your blackness. And um, what this conversation really stemmed from was our mutual love for the late great, yeah. the architect yeah. of rock and roll, the innovator, emancipator. <laughs> the emancipator, <laughs> Mr. Richard Penniman, better known as Little Richard. Yeah. Um, he passed away a little while ago. And on the day that he passed, Brian and I spent the majority of that 24 hours exchanging memes and gifts and videos and interviews and yes. clips and segments, just really enjoying everything that he was. And the beautiful thing about little Richard love him or hate him was that he was unapologetically him. Yes. He lived in all <laughs> that he was. Let it all, every, he let it, let it all hang out. Is <laughs> <laughs> what he would say. And the beauty of that, the, the takeaway, rather, in the beauty of his life is that we should be able to live out loud in our authentic selves, specifically as black people. And I think this conversation is super important considering the climate that we're in. I think a lot of us are exhausted. I've had conversations with friends and one of the things that they've all said, and they're all unrelated, is that they are exhausted with the black experience. And it doesn't mean that they are tired of being black. It's just that there's so much that comes with being black that right now it's tiring. But in the midst of their fatigue, they are still dedicated to being all that they are in their blackness. And that's what this conversation is about today. So let's just jump in. Let's just let's 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 just jump into it. Tell me first though. Let's talk through what you love about this unapologetic mammoth of a human being, <laughs> Little Richard. Okay, so um, if, if you have the opportunity, those who are listening, to find, oh, we have about seven minutes, good seven minutes of your life, go <laughs> and type in Little Richard BBC interview. And it's literally the, the best interview ever. But basically, what I like about Little Richard is the, um, he was authentic. Um, he was black. He uh, expressed himself however he felt he wanted to express himself. Yeah, um, that could be him being flamboyant at one moment. It could be him being uh, super uh, pro-black at one moment. Uh, he understood who he was as an individual, uh, even though he went through some some different changes in in his life and different movements and stuff like that. But he was always authentic in who he was as an individual. Uh, and 
if you even listen to his interviews, he always addressed race. He always said, I'm a black man. Yeah. Uh, he always would say, um, uh, I, I created this. He held, held claim to the fact that he was the creator, the innovator, the architect of rock and roll. Um, and he had to, uh, he had to fight and remind people, uh, uh, so-called cultural vultures that I created this, I curated mm-hmm. this. Um, and, Y'all are trying to give this credit and these kudos and this this um, uh, uh, this power to people who, cre- who who pretty much stole something that I created, um, and I just I just love I just love how loud he was. He was just loud, <laughs> loud. No, that's so very true, and I, I I agree. That interview is by far the best seven minutes of my almost thirty one years of life, and and we're going to link, put the link to that interview in the episode notes, so you'll be able to go watch it for yourself. But like I did every single thing about Little Richard, and and to be honest, I wasn't a huge fan of his music because I'm just not a huge fan of rock and roll. Like I appreciate what he right. what he did for music, um, but I was more of a fan of him. Yes, definitely. and his ability to just like one of the clips <laughs> that was beautiful. He was presenting. Um, I forget who the other gentleman was. Some white dude at the Grammys. Oh, <laughs> and they were presenting like the best new artist or something. Yeah. And he was like, "And the winner is me." <laughs> and he just went and started <laughs> laughing, and he did it like three or four times. And like on the final time, he said, "Y'all got me screaming like a little white lady." <laughs> And then the other the dude was like little you know little Richard come on he was like shut up <laughs> and then and then he went into this whole thing about you know being the innovator the the emancipator the architect blah 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 he said y'all ain't never gave me nothing this is my time this is my opportunity and I just love as much as people would love to say he was cooning out he was doing whatever 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 what I loved about that was that he owned yes. every moment and yes. did not care what you thought and even beyond that he kept getting invited to be his authentic self i don't think he was like perpetuating this whole black face or this clowning thing more so than he was like i'm going to be who i'm going to be you're going to respect it and you're going to acknowledge and honor who i am so you know with all of that being said brian what does black expression and living out loud in your blackness mean for you uh living out loud and and to me as far as is is how I I'm gonna say I'm gonna use me how okay. I present my blackness, um, and that is number one how I embrace my blackness. So mm-hmm. what is my blackness? My hair is my blackness. My skin is my blackness. Um, uh, vernacular it is it is what it is. Uh, how I dress, how I feel, um, the how I present or how I embrace my to myself, but how I present it to others. Um, yeah. Do I present my blackness uh, as being ashamed? Do I present it as you know uh, you're trying to, I guess, tone down? Like, no, I'm I am who I am, mm-hmm. uh, and kind of piggyback on Little Richard. Little Richard, who he was, who he was, and as a black man, how I embrace my blackness and showcase my blackness as I am who I am. I'm black Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, um, and twice black, on Sunday. Twice on Sunday. <laughs> I'm black. I'm black. That's it is who I am. It, it, black is me. Me is black. That's that's all it is. Yeah. No. And and I agree because I I often say that there's duality in me in the fact that I am degreed, well educated, man of faith, all these different things. But I also love 
my hot wings fry hard <laughs> with lemon pepper sprinkles. And I <laughs> and I feel like I don't have to discount one for the other. Like I can still be out loud in all of the things that I appreciate about me that may seem really black or really, you know, moments of culture, but still be educated, still be an innovator and an emancipator in my own right in whatever, in, you know, whatever area that I'm carving out to. So like that, that's a perfect segue into understanding that blackness is not a generalized, generalized term. So let's talk through some additional duality, like being intelligent, spiritual, ratchet or whatever. It's not mutually exclusive to like, you don't have to be one thing. We can be all of these things. So let's talk through, Brian, some moments or just any situations in life where duality was a thing in your blackness. Ooh, duality being a thing in my blackness. Um, Let's see. Uh, growing up in a uh, Southern Californian environment, um, as far as having to be able to kind of be the chameleon and go through different spaces and, and places and still kind of maintain my blackness, but then also be able to relate. Um, like I, I would, I knew the rock and roll music. I knew all that stuff. I had all that. Um, but I also had all my other stuff. So if we use music for an example. Um, you can be black and love rock and roll. Like love yeah. it. And that'd be your thing. You can be black and love hip hop. You know what I'm saying? There's, there's the thing about being black. You can be so many things because black, we created everything. So yes, pretty much anything you want to be or any category you want to fall in, we created it. So as a black man, you can, we are everything. We are this on, I can feel this way on Monday and then also feel the same way on Tuesday or change up how I feel that day. Um, uh, You can be ratchet. You can be righteous. You can be, um, uh, a Republican, you can be a Democrat. You know what I'm saying? Uh, shouts out to Joe Biden, <laughs> who wanted to say if you, uh, he says you ain't black, like which was a, a dumb statement. But let's just pause there. <laughs> Some somebody auntie that made Joe too many pots of potato salad, too many, um, and he didn't got comfortable at the picnic. Right. For him to be able to feel comfortable <laughs> saying the foolishness that he said. You're but go, continue, continue. <laughs> but that was a basic, that was a perfect example of you sitting, somebody saying or feeling comfortable saying that, oh, if something, 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 you ain't black. And uh, like, we're, we're, we are who we are. I don't, know how to, I don't know how to make it even plainer than that. We are who we are. We, we we are everything. And and I'm a black man. You're a black man. But we may not even agree on the say. I like gangster rap. <laughs> you like trap music. Listen, the man of God, you ready to, to shoot somebody in the chest? <laughs> shoot them up. You know, pass them. You know, that's that's what I like. But it's you know what I'm saying. But it is what it is. We 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 we're everything. So um, no, it's. It's so true. Like even when you talk about the rap, you're right. You like you know Ice T and Ice Cube <laughs> and. <laughs> <laughs> and not like future amigos and i don't but it does not discount who we are our friendship our brotherhood it does not it like you liking that form of rap and me liking what people call mess and mumble rap like it's a bop it's a beat you know what i'm saying and i've never drank lean or done any of the stuff that future talks about but I, for, for some reason that dirty sprite you know speaks to me <laughs> you know what i'm saying so like no i get it we can be all of these things and we can be who we are. And it reminds me actually of this episode of the Fresh Prince. When we talk about duality, 
Mm-hmm. And when Will and Carlton had, you know, went to college and um, they were about to play the same fraternity. Mm-hmm. And in the end, you know, they went through their little hazing process or whatever. And in the end, Will was accepted, but, you know, they denied Carlton because they found out about his privileged background. Matter of fact, they made his hazing process worse mm-hmm. when they found out about his privileged background. Right. And um, so and when they got to the end at the little party, which. You know, it was a whole thing. We won't go into Greek life here. But the, the dean of pleasures insisted that the reason why he did not make it was because he wasn't black enough. And what bothers me a lot of times, especially among us, is that we have this concept of being down. Right. You know, that consistently separates us in, instead of now. There are some black people uh-huh. who need to be called to the carpet. Yeah. We talked we were just talking about Candace Owens oh, before we got started. Yeah. You know, the Candace Owens of the world and you know Don Lemon before he got delivered out of the, right. the you know the sunken place. And Listen, you know all of the all of these I, other I people <laughs> yeah Kanye West right now yeah. and you know those two um twins Diamond who are there they go. <laughs> them two. Them two. Yeah. You know Diamond more like um sapphire and polyester but you know <laughs> <laughs> Cuban Saconi, polyester. But no, like those two, they definitely like, you know, it's that group of people who need to be pulled to the car. And then there are other people who grew up in more affluent um neighborhoods. Like I said it on last week's episode. I worked for a CEO who is seemingly whitewashed and really did not live, in my opinion. Well, let me take that back, because I don't know how he lived, but the way he presented was not one that really honored and honed in in his blackness and if we just look at his track record as a ceo and you may say well ceos don't do this but he was a very Mm hands-on person like we i got several opportunities to sit with him talk with him work on projects with him and his worst track record was was with other black men black people Mm -hmm. they had the lowest amount of retention and the least amount of um promotions within the company so there are Tons of black people who need to be called out in their privilege, who need to be like smacked into reality because any of us can be George Floyd. Um, that goes back to my rant last week about Shamik Moore talking about listen, how we need to act and how we can prevent certain things. But anyway, I said all that to say, what are your thoughts on the diversity and privilege among black folk? Um, and, and that's the, th- the great thing about, I guess, again, being black, we, we are everything, we're all people. Uh, we have billionaires, we have mm-hmm. poor people. Um, and I want to say the dope thing about, I guess, most people I know that have grown up, um, most of them may not have grown up in privilege. Yeah. Now we are in a place to where we are successful, we're doing great things, we like Black Wall Street, we are, you know, setting our careers, we're affluent and to a certain degree, we're, or we're building generational wealth. Uh, it's where we can embrace um where we came from and we don't ever look back at anybody and say uh you know why don't you just pull yourself up by your bootstraps or uh we don't you know um have that i forgot where i came from mentality or uh or forget that the fact that even though i may have passed over certain obstacles in my life uh and may have gotten certain breaks or may have gotten certain helps and things of that nature or my mind being able to conceive getting out of where i was from um I'm, uh, we don't go back and look at the people who may still be in certain areas uh, and look back and say, oh, well, um, why can't if I did it? You can't. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, so I think uh, I, I think we, let me flip it and I'm going to throw this back at you. Um, I'm reminded of an episode of okay. your show, um, Living Single. 
You know it's my favorite. <laughs> Kyle was up for a promotion. Mighty God, I know, I know. Okay, Kyle was up for a promotion, and one of the other black men in the firm, well, a black man came to Kyle and said, hey, Kyle, um, I know you're up for the promotion, but you need to change your hair. Um, yep. So Kyle was going through this whole identity crisis, this thought process of should I cut my hair, uh, you know, all this kind of stuff. Come to find out that the white partners did not care about Kyle's hair. They talked about it. They talked about it. They talked about it. <laughs> um, but it was not a deciding factor in him yeah. getting the in getting the job. And then Kyle found out that it was the black dude who was the one who told the white dudes, oh, he doesn't even fit the mold um of our firm. Uh so it's it's kind of you you kind of get like the I want to say both sides. You get the people who who uh who get ridiculed for being uh in privilege, but you also get the people who are in privilege, look down at people and think, oh, you don't fit in the stereotype or you don't fit in this class as bourgeoisie yeah. um, society that you know I've worked for or I've created uh and some people have really have just created these identities. Um Knowing good and well, you didn't grow up like that. Uh, knowing good and well, um, like regime. regime if we're gonna talk, <laughs> how about limit, limit single? Uh, yeah, regime. You you went uh, from East Orange, New Jersey, moved to the. You was Nene. You was Nene. So I forgot what the question was, but um, uh, but but that's it's it's interesting that we have those those conversations or even those situations even in the community yeah. uh uh but i think the best thing we can do is if anything is really to just realize that going back to the duality and even going back to the situation like black is black yes um regardless if you grew up affluent regardless if you grew up in the hood and if you look at carlton's track record um he had some moments of naivete when he um got pulled off by the police and thought the police were just doing their job uh, and Carl and then Will had to kind of you know explain it to him. But if you look at Carlton's track record, he, uh, if anything, he was down. You know what I'm saying? He didn't mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. him, like Barry Manilow. But if it came down to to Will getting in trouble, uh, Carlton pulled the strap out. Uh, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like uh, yeah. when it came down, when he thought he got some girl pregnant, he stepped up and was a good father. You know what I'm saying? Like you got to think about. Uh, the complexities of Carlton, even as Black people, we're so complex that it's 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 we're too many things. I guess if I if I can say that. And one other thing I loved about Carlton too was that just since we're you know on this and talking about the diversity and privilege of Black folk, was that he was one who had clear privilege mm-hmm. um you know in the way he dressed in the way that he presented in the ways that even when will first came how he tried to get will to assimilate right. to especially at barrier prep mm-hmm. you know and you know will do this do that you're not going to fit in and will was authentically him and all the white boys loved him kind of like today in america we do all of our black stuff and they want to copy and you know and follow along in culture whatever whatever but to your point he was always willing to learn. Mm-hmm. He was willing in some, even though he may have been sarcastic, he was willing to be wrong in certain spaces and to still question um, what he thought was norms. And the good thing about having Uncle Phil mm-hmm. as his father was right. that he he came from the hood. Right. And when Carlton would be, you know, kind of out there, even in that episode about the police, his daddy had to come and say, you know, Will was right. 
Right. You know, and 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 the original Aunt Viv, you know, was real black mm-hmm. and was a lot more vocal. And she had to, you know, kind of inform all of her children at certain points about. I think there was an episode when one of their college friends, the, the one of the women came and they were talking about yeah. how they were marching and all that kind of stuff. So they like we got insight. I think as privileged as they were. Mm-hmm. They still got insight into what real black life was. They lived a very black, they still lived a very black life. They were just insanely rich. And I think we have to stop punishing people, one, for being affluent. And I mean, because if we're going to be honest, if you ascertain a certain level, you likely may go to a certain neighborhood. A lot of us may, you know, still stay in the hood and that's cool. But for some of us, we're going to go get the mansion and the big house, which means that the demographics around us are going to change. Right. But that does not mean that you're any less black in that environment. You know, me and you both live in not predominantly black, you know, predominantly white neighborhoods and cities and towns. But I am right here. When I fire my grill, uh, Future is playing on my Bluetooth speaker outside on the deck. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? We're still, we're on the inside doing our thing. Um, We're still being a black family right. and exhibiting and not being, you know, the hood crazy people or whatever. And I, w- I want to dismiss that myth among us too, but we are just being authentic to who we are right. without trying to assimilate and try to fit in into this box just because we live in the suburbs. Right, right, right. And I think it would be cool to do even case study with, with Will and Carlton as far as even that Will and Carlton are kind of the duality in a sense of uh, like living out loud. Will was living out loud in his, I'm from Philly. Mm-hmm. I'm from Philly. This is who I am. Carlton, leave me alone. Carlton, to the to the contrary, uh, not to the contrary, yeah, to, to, uh, in the same way, he was trying to live out loud and be who he was. I'm a kid from the suburbs. Yeah. Um, and even, I'm not trying to go down the episodes, but there was an episode where they clashed where Carlton and Will kind of got into it. Well, Will said that Carlton was too bougie and then Carlton went to the hood and tried to change and tried to assemble yeah. stuff like that. But um, yeah, like it, it it, and and that the thing I love about that is they both were authentically who they were. Yeah. Uh, and they learned from each other's experiences. Because um, down the line, Will becomes a little more uh, bougie and Carlson kind of gets a little bit more street savvy, if you, if you, if you will. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, no, no. Absolutely. I mean, because even when we see Carlton's decision by choice or by force, I can't remember, to go to ULA mm-hmm. versus Princeton, where right. he was like talking about, you know, the entire, you know, first few seasons. So we definitely see the progression of them both. And to your point, which was amazing, which I love, like they both lived out loud in their blackness, but their expression and their presentation was different. And I don't think just because Carlton was Carlton that he was any less black or down or any of those types of things, because what the, what infuriates me about those type of conversations in college, I don't really care where you come from. Mm -hmm. There is a certain privilege that you have when you go to a college or university, Mm -hmm. like plain and simple, you can come from the hood, but the fact that you made it at this point as a level of privilege to you. Now, it does not mean that you're not still discriminated against and have prejudices against right. you because of who you are, but we have to start acknowledging 
the privileges that we have. So when we want to call someone else out, we got to check ourselves. Like I was having a conversation yesterday about everything that's going on in the world. And I said, one of the struggles that I'm having is like, I understand that I have privilege as a man. Mm -hmm. So one of the struggles that I'm having is making sure that women are supported and checking my male privilege while also understanding that I am a target. Right, right. I'm still a target. Well, I may have a privilege as a man, but I'm still a target because I'm black. And that's the same thing I'm saying about this situation. Yeah, Carlton may have done all of these different types of things or had all these experiences, rather, when he grew up with a butler, with all this other kind of stuff. But if he's in the street, let's go back to the episode that was not even related. When he got pulled over, he still got pulled over. He's a black man mm-hmm. in a rich neighborhood and they didn't know who he was. Exactly. So his experience in the world did not matter did not with matter. the type of privilege that he had. Mm-hmm. So all of us have to understand that we carry a certain amount of privilege as we move up the ladders of life, right. but it does not, it does not negate who we are and how we present. Exactly. Um, and let's and let's 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 lean into this living single narrative while we're here. Sure. You know, I love it. I um, the thing about Kyle though, and his authentic blackness is that he was like black black. black On every episode of Christmas, he was like, I'm gonna do Kwanzaa. <laughs> he wore dashikis, he had his dreads, but at the same time, he was he he didn't listen to rap, but we didn't well, I ain't gonna say he didn't. He was the jazz guy. Yeah, he was like when him and Overton hosted the fight party, he had like filet mignon and couscous and shrimp and Overton had like cheese wheat. Now, Overton was just country, but it showed you again, it was like Will and Carlton. It showed you the duality of blackness in two best friends. But to your point on that episode, it was funny how the, the, the more bougie you need to assimilate guy didn't like was kind of blind to the fact that Kyle like has risen to these ranks being exactly who he is presenting the way that he's presented front facing with clients with his dreads and none of that has mattered to this point so why would it matter you know what i'm saying like when it's time for a promotion to me to be a vp whatever the role that he was you know going into like why does this matter why do you think that as we climb the ladders like we get there presenting a certain way why are we expected to change our presentation once we arrive Right. Um, and I see that in corporate America all the time. Like I see things where, okay, mind you, I've been with the firm. I've been with, uh, I'm working at an investment firm. I've been with this firm going on 12, 13 years. I want to say maybe longer. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I've, I see people as I continue to, to, to go higher, you kind of see, of course, black people, we kind of, the numbers, the number of us decreases the higher you go. Um, yeah. And I have also seen people who feel like, oh, now that I get to a certain level or a certain, uh, we have three levels in our building. Once I get to level three or the third floor, I need to dress a certain way yeah. um, because our CEO is on this floor or I need to do, um, I need to wear a tie now or I need to uh, talk a certain way or I need to kind of be friends with these people. And it's, and you didn't do none of that stuff to get to the place you are now. So why none would, of it. Right. Why would you flip the switch and, and try to, uh, try to be something that you're not just to try to continue to, to go higher. And, and, and what, what people don't understand is some people don't care nothing about you. Not a thing. The people that you're trying to uh, assimilate with the people you're trying to, I guess, trying to convince that you are one of them or one of the good old boys or trying to be in the crew. They don't care. Not one thing about you. Um, At the end of the day, they're concerned about their bottom line. Are you doing the work? Exactly. 
they, they, they don't they don't care what 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 you listen to, what you wear. Are you getting the job done? Are you mm-hmm. being paid? Are you are you are you uh, the, doing the thing that I'm paying you for? And that's it. And that's and that's how Kyle was. Kyle was who he was, but he did his job and did his job the way he wanted to do it as far as but uh, as far as in his presentation of who he was. Mm-hmm. And in that space, and, and Kyle, for the record, like, let's just, let's, let's learn something else about your host, right? I love Living Single. I have probably watched it 8 million times, especially since it's been on Hulu. It just runs on repeat <laughs> every day. And Kyle is my least favorite character. Um, for a myriad of reasons, we can bring we can bring a few people to the living room and have a conversation on the complexities of living single. Matter of fact, let me jot that down for a living room conversation. Um, but but you know, even what I do love about him in in this conversation specifically is that he even there were there was one episode where he was unfulfilled, and he created like the African mutual fund mm-hmm. at his job. Like so, he found moments to take what he loves to do, which was being a stockbroker, mm-hmm. being in finance, doing those things, but still inserting his blackness. And as he moved up the ladder, when things got monotonous and mundane, he was like, I can find ways to make this interesting. Um, and that's another thing that I think is super important and valid to this conversation, that we don't have to lose who we are, what we value as we matriculate up in life, like there are ways that we can still champion for certain things, um, especially in a time like today. Um, I have a colleague who the company was not really speaking to them about what's going on. So they just they went to HR and said, I'm going to start a black um, ERG, employee resource group. Mm-hmm. And HR was like, great. Oh, my God, that's important. Like, first of all, should have been had one. Right. But the point is, is that we can still create and curate things within spaces that benefit us because what's what's real, real, real true is that most of these corporate spaces especially are not designed for us to navigate through successfully. So we have to find spaces and create spaces that lead to our success. Right, right. It's it's really like your Jigsaw uh, podcast, which is perfect because it's it is it is what black life kind of is. Um, to a certain degree, especially in certain spaces uh, in the United States, we'll say that we, since we live here, um, spaces were not designed for us. Yeah. So we're basically trying to find what, what we, we are a piece of the puzzle, an important piece of the puzzle. We can go down and talk about how we built the country and all that kind of stuff. But in today's society, we are an important, we're an integral piece of the puzzle. Um, but oftentimes we find ourselves in many spaces and places um, trying to find out where we fit. Um, yeah. And oftentimes we find ourselves trying to, it's kind of like as a kid when you um, you don't know how to put puzzles together, you have the piece and you're trying to smash it mm-hmm. in a place that it does not fit. And oftentimes we try to do that. We try to mash ourselves and smash ourselves to places we don't, because it, it, usually we have that puzzle piece. It looks like it belongs there. But it doesn't belong there. It does not belong there. It doesn't belong there. It, it, it has the same color. It has the same image, a similar image, but it does not belong in that space. Right. And oftentimes we try to mash it in that space because you don't know how to use a puzzle. And then somebody comes along and say, oh, no, you're, you're close, but it belongs here. And then it comes mm-hmm. in that place real smooth. So it, it, that's, I, I feel that, that that's going back to what you said initially as far as being exhausted as 
one of the things that kind of makes being black exhausting is really trying to navigate life's spaces where we created it and we're still trying to find places where we fit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So like, absolutely. So let's, let's round out the conversation. Cause I know we, we got, we got stuff to do in places to be. Has there ever been a moment where you felt like you've had to downplay your blackness? Um, I will say there's been times I've had to downplay my blackness, not necessarily in terms of not live out loud, mm-hmm. um, but oftentimes I try to, some of the stereotypes that they feel about black people, I feel like sometimes I'm a little more cautious uh, yeah. to, not necessarily that I may do them, but I'm a little more conscious um, on if I'm going to do them or not. Yeah. Um, um, like when it comes to like meetings and stuff like that, and it could be annoying, it could be a little tedious. I'm not going to be so quick to say stuff or speak out um, because I know I know they're going to talk trash. I know. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I would rather just have a conversation with with my supervisor, manager, whatever on the, on a, on a, on a side conversation, give them a, a full feedback of what I feel. A uh, presentation, do something a little more outside of the spotlight. I don't like being in the spotlight anyway. Um, but there's some things I know that they're expecting uh, us to do as far as black people. And even though it may be right, like us yeah. now in meetings is right. Um, yeah. If you disagree with something, it's right. Um, but oftentimes you go in a seat, if, if there's any type of objection in any type of setting, it's going to be like, oh, here they go, angry black folk. So I will say I, I've in I found myself um, instead of uh, t- in moments where I probably could have said something instead of wanting to even deal with the the foolishness, I'll step back and be like, you know what, I won't say anything. I'll just do it another time. Mm-hmm. Um, and that happens in corporate a lot because white dudes will be at the same table cussing, talking about, oh, this is blah 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 blah, and oh, they they have passion, they care about their job, but I can say, um. I kind of disagree with this. Here they go. You know what I'm saying? Or it's so, like, chill, bro. It's, 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 it's not that deep, I'm just, man. I'm just serious. We're just trying to do, oh, and then people start crying and people's feelings get hurt. <laughs> it's like, where do we get here? So um, I'll say in, in those moments, I think in group settings, um, I don't know if, I don't know if there's toning down my blackness, but I will tone down from doing things uh, that they think is a stereotypical black thing or something like that. So, yeah. yeah. No, no, I get that. Cause I found myself in that similar space, not necessarily toning down my blackness, but I, a, a very, um, not serious, but real example is I love watermelon. Mm-hmm. I love it. Like with salt on it. <laughs> yes. I love it. Um, and I don't cut it up in little chunks. I cut, um, quarters, and just eat it <laughs> um, the way my grandma taught me to do it. You know, that's the right way. Um, but no, so, but there were moments where, you know, I'm not a big breakfast guy. So a granola bar or a bowl of fruit, smoothie, those kind of things really serve me. I'm great, you know, with that in the morning. And But there were moments where I'd be like, man, do I want to bring this watermelon up? 
to my desk and, you know, but I got to a place where I just like, I didn't care because I understand the stereotypes that go along with chicken and watermelon and all that kind of stuff. But I like the fruit and I dare you to come to my cubicle having a conversation (laughs) about my watermelon because it is going to be a thing. But to your point, before I got to that place, I definitely was self-conscious about, you know, eating it and bringing it there because like, I think about, Oh, here you go. Another nigga eating watermelon, (laughs) you know? And, 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 and as much as I don't want to be looked at that way, I also don't care because I mean, it is a piece of fruit. It is delicious. And I shouldn't feel any type of way for eating it because of preconceived notions. And, and I know that's a very small example, but I know many of us sometimes, a you know, don't, yeah, don't talk about certain music we listen to or certain things that we do. Cause there are big conversations that I've been in with white colleagues. So they've talked about music and they're going in about artists who, I have no idea. And they, and they were mainstream pop or country art. I'm just like, I know the name, but I couldn't tell you one thing they've ever sung, you know, and, you know, and it's not to say that, I mean, cause my playlists are really black, mm-hmm. but um, that I do. I like Maroon 5. I like, <laughs> I did listen to NSYNC and Backstreet Boys when they were, you know, hot. But right now I couldn't tell you that like Ed Sheeran is on my, my playlist or any one else, you know, and it's not to say that I don't, I couldn't enjoy their music. It's just not my choice. Um, so there are times where, you know, I've, I've felt self-conscious in those type of conversations, to be honest. But then as I've matured, I'm just like, I don't, care. I don't know it. I don't know it. You want to talk about Al Green? Um, you you, you want to talk about, you know, Three Six Mafia? You want to talk about Kirk Franklin? You want to like, you know, some of the people who I listen to religiously? Uh, and if we don't have any commonality, let's exchange some playlists. And actually, that was a white colleague, um, Mira. She was an attorney, Jewish lady, um, real cool. And every Friday, we would share um, a song with each other because she didn't really listen to trap. I didn't really listen to her type of music. And it was just our way of exposing each other to culture. And it wasn't and it was my idea because we would talk about music. And and what's interesting was she had a crush on Dwayne Wayne from Different World. Oh, and that's how we can <laughs> right. That's how we kind of had started having like cultural conversations. And and she was a real ally and advocate. So that's a, that was another piece. So we just like, you know what? I said, let's do a thing called Music Friday. I said, you send me something you really love. I'm gonna send you something. And then Monday we would come back and just like really, really talk about it. Um, so I really like I think it was that moment with her that really made me be like, you know what? I may not have this with every other white person, but I can be able to be sure in my blackness what I like and not be self-conscious about it and still live out loud in who I am. So as we as 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 we wrap it all up, bro, are there any lessons that you could share with other black folk about living authentically? And what about to non-black folks, specifically non-black POCs? Mm, no, I'm black. People, I'm gonna talk about that. Okay, so <laughs> for black people, as far as living out loud, is just be you. Holy macadandy! Let it all be you. Out. Don't have <laughs> nothing. No, you don't have nothing. I like the dress. I'm not conceited though. I'm not conceited though. <laughs> I'm convinced. <laughs> um, yeah, like as far Ooh, as little Richard, right? Black people just be you. Like be authentically yeah. you. If you want to be goth be that. If you want to be preppy, be that. If you want to listen to Tom Jones, shout out to Carlton, be that. Um, yeah. um, 
we come in all different shapes, sizes, backgrounds. But one thing it is, do not, and I repeat, do not discredit any other black person's um, blackness if, yeah. it's because it does not uh, mirror where you come from. That's good. Right? Yeah. It doesn't, just because it doesn't mirror where you come from. Because um, you can have a group of, like our friend group, you're from Memphis, I'm from California, uh, uh-huh. Chris is from Atlanta, uh, Marcus is from, uh, 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 what is it? South Carolina. Yeah. Wives from all different places. Um, and we all have different black experiences and we were to talk about our black experiences. All of us have had different black experiences. Some people went to PWI, some people went to HBCUs, but we're all black and we cannot, we should not, we may jokingly do it, but as far as in all seriousness, we should not discredit anyone's blackness. Uh, because it does not mirror uh, what you feel is authentic. Um, yeah. Because they're authentic is they're authentic. You know what I mean? Um, no, yeah, that's true. They're authentic is they're authentic. Is that they can be affluent or they can be from the hood. That they're, that's their authentic black experience. Um, to the non-black POCs. So this is, I guess, the answer or the question is, what can we, about this situation or just in general? I mean, just in, in general. In general, I got some stuff I need to get off my chest, but I don't know. Go ahead, get, get you, you know what? Let's you know what? I'm going to allow you to do that. You know, we have a segment called a greater conversation where we where we rant and rave. So you pause there. We go. We gonna pause okay. and, we, and I'm, I'm gonna bring you back, <laughs> and you and you gonna be my my first guest in that segment. So uh, <laughs> so Brian, as we wrap up the living room conversation, man, um, tell the people how they can follow you, anything you got going on. Um, just let the people know how they can contact you. Uh, you can follow me on Instagram. I am Brian Hare. Facebook, Brian Hare. Um, look out. I'm going to drop a bunch of stuff So like, in the near future. So if you see it, support it. Now, he said it publicly. Yeah. And we have to hold him accountable. <laughs> <laughs> I might even drop some stuff today. But uh, if you see it, support it. Uh, it's, it's, I love black people. It's for black people, but it's, it's really for everyone. But I really want to do some things for our people, uh, to make sure we, we do things, uh, better. We, we can increase, grow some, uh, generational wealth, get some encouragements and stuff like that. So, yeah. uh, but yeah, I am Brian Hare, uh, Brian Hare anywhere. You can find me websites, stuff like that. You'll see it, uh, just support it. I'm excited. I'm excited. So, bro, thank you again for joining us in the living room. We're going to come back. Um, we're going to talk about some um, I Am My Brother's Keeper with some black men self-care. We're going to have a greater conversation. You can get this thing off of your chest. And then, oh. <laughs> but we're definitely going to have you back in the living room. I'm excited about some future conversations. Let's go into uh, I Am My Brother's Keeper. Woosa! 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 All right, so welcome to our segment called I Am My Brother's Keeper, where we discuss some um, black self-care moments that we're going to do this weekend. Brian, what did you got planned with this weekend for self-care, man? Oh, man, for self-care, and this is uh, as a husband and a father of an eight-month-old, my plan is to actually do nothing. Uh, If I can stay in the bed and sleep and rest as much as I can uh, to... Uh, uh, rejuvenate myself. That's what I'm going to do. Um, I'm also going to unplug completely. For I've been doing it, but I'm going to continue to unplug from social media. 
No, that's fair. Uh, with all that's going on in the world, um, mentally, I found myself being extremely drained. So uh, I'm probably going to just unplug, stay in the bed, relax, do nothing. If I can't uh, do anything, I'm just not going to do it. That's what's up, man. I I chose yesterday um, to unplug because it just got mentally tough for me. But this weekend, what I plan on doing is um, answering certain questions with the full sentence of no. Mm. Um, and I think I I thrive in hyper productivity mm-hmm. and sometimes to my detriment. Right. And I what I've learned is that I can still do many things at the same time and do them well. Right. What I need to work on is learning to shut certain things down and not accepting a whole bunch of new stuff. Um, I exposed on this podcast that, you know, I was laid off. So sometimes there's this guilt of I should be doing a ton of stuff. Mm-hmm. And that's not necessarily true. Like I run a fitness group. I am doing this podcast. I have merch that I can buy. Oh, yeah, buy merch at IamJoshRogers.com. I'll hit the shop link. Uh, <laughs> I have merch that I'm doing, and that is all a task. And to be able to do them well and, and with a level of excellence sometimes requires saying no. Right. To other stuff. Right. So it's not that I'm disinterested in your projects or your collaborations. It's just I don't have the capacity. Right. And if you don't understand that, then my God, uh, my God, is Molly. Uh, <laughs> you know, I just I, I don't really know what else to tell you. But that's what's up, man. We're going to get some rest. Um, we're about to get ready to wrap up the podcast and i'm super excited my boy looks fired up over there oh, and i can't wait yes. to see what the greater conversation is from him let's get into it let me talk let me talk all right we are here for a greater conversation and today I am mad hype because this is the first time that I have a guest with me. I have a partner with me to rent. I will not be ranting and raving by myself. So because I have someone with me, I'm going to pass the baton and allow him to have the greater conversation first. Which one to get off your chest, bro? All right. You may help me out with this one. Okay. I want to address you. All lives matter. <laughs> <laughs> What about black on black crime <laughs> in Chicago? <laughs> black folks. Okay. Talk about them. I don't need to. I'm not addressing the white people at this point, but I'm sick and tired and annoyed of any time anything happens, y'all want to say, but what about black on black crime? What about, what about Chicago? What about, and y'all creating this narrative as if, Black people killing one another is an excuse for the people that are supposed to be protecting and serving us actually doing their job. Um, Anytime you sit there and say, but what about us killing each other? We don't respect each other. Sounds stupid. It's kind of similar to where if the United States of America should at this point, if that's the case, they should completely dissolve their military. And not worry about foreign powers because Americans kill Americans every single day. Every day. So, and, and, and it's so annoying and so stupid and so ignorant for, for black people to sit there and say, are we killing each other? Like, as if 
like people just don't kill each other. Or as if uh, if you live in a community with somebody, you're probably going to kill them. Or uh, like the, the, the proximity of somebody being close to you going to, like it, it just makes no sense. And, and if anything, what it sounds like you're trying to do is you're trying to find a, a, a space and a place with somebody that does not even care about you. Yeah. And granted, um, yes, I, as a, as a, I'm pro-black and I hate to see senseless blacks killing. I hate to see black people die at the hands of anybody. But when you sit up there on social media or on any type of platform that you're on and, 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 and openly sit there and say, when people say black lives matter, as a black person, you sit there and say, but all lives matter. <sighs> you, you do it. You do it and you, you, you do it proudly and <laughs> you, you swear you don't get some likes. And, and I'm going to talk to uh, the people who see this stuff. It's time for us to drag these and mind you you know me on social media i don't ever comment i don't ever rebuttal i don't do nothing but it's time out for letting this stuff slide the drags need to happen um because either they really don't know or they know and really just don't care about what they're saying and how problematic it really is not only to um the people that they love but a, a culture and a people in general I don't have anything to add. I talked, I've ranted and raved last week about black folk, um, our skin folk, when I can folk. So I'm going to let you do the dragon. And <laughs> because my conversation today is with Miss Laura Ingram, who in 2018 had an issue with LeBron James speaking out against um, systematic racism and police brutality. And she said the following, and I quote, shut up and dribble, which lets me know that she was only interested in performance from him. She only wants him to be the black man who is dribbling the basketball and making money and entertaining her and her husband and and the other Karens and Rebecca's who sit in her house. She only wanted him to do what he was quote unquote paid to do and not care about his community, not use his platform to address his community. But oh, when Mr. Drew Brees had the opportunity to make comments in the year of our Lord, 20 and 20, she said that this man has a right to have an opinion. Now, what was that same energy, Laura? In 2018, when the black man had a right to his same opinion, I need you to keep that same energy. And it is this type of crap right here that happens. See, you want to talk to white people, but I got something to say to them one more time. It is this kind of stuff that comes from y'all that we consistently deal with. This is that that was racist. Mm-hmm. And why is it racist? Because the black man needs to shut up and be your jigaboo. But when the white boy wants to say something defending good old America and the other good old boys, he has the right to have an opinion. That is not okay. That is not going to fly. And what and what happened? And what happened when Mr. Breeze had an opinion? He got dragged by other blacks mm-hmm. and by and by other white people Dragon. because his comments were senseless. I believe that every 
person, regardless of their status, has the right to advocate for what they believe in. Now, what consequences they will face when they advocate for it, like what Drew Brees saw, is like it's, it's based on them. But they should have the right to be able to advocate and to push and promote and to speak out against or for whatever they want to speak out against or for. That is their human right. And we should not tell them that just because they play basketball or football or they're an artist or a rapper or an actor or whatever, that they should stick to doing what they're doing. Ma'am, you stick to doing what you're doing and report the news if you want to take it there. Leave the leave the sports stuff to ESPN. Do what you're supposed to do if we really want to go there. But Miss Laura, like stay in your lane and you let them stay in theirs. His lane is blackness and let him, and let him talk about it. Your lane is journalism. So find something else to talk about instead of nitpicking and talking through how this man wanted to represent and advocate for his people, use his platform to bring change, to be tangible. Because what the reality of it is, love or hate LeBron James, those teams and franchises would not be in the spaces that they're in without him. So they understand you piss him off a little bit too much, you're in some deep, deep, deep water. All right. And until our skin folk, I'm going to say it one more time, like I said last week, you're black. You're black. You're black. And if you ain't remembered, you're black again. Why do we have to remind you that you're black? Right. And your experience is going to be at some point that of discrimination. Unfortunately, at some point, somebody's going to look at you crazy. So when you start talking about all lives matter and you start bringing up the rhetoric on black on black crime that we see in Chicago and Memphis and Atlanta and any other major city, then you're not really adding anything to the cause. No black on black crime is not right. We're not we're not saying that it is, but it does not negate the fact that people are dying at the hands of unjust police officers. It does not negate the fact that people are facing an unjust system every single day. It does not negate the fact that just because I'm black, no matter how well I'm dressed, no matter how articulate I am, that I will be profiled simply because the color of my skin. So the greater conversation of it all is, who hurt y'all? Who? Who hurt y'all? But I'm just glad I had somebody to rant and rave it. I went out here by myself today. So I appreciate that, bro. Um, so that that concludes the podcast. That is the jigsaw um, today, Brian. Bro, thank you so 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 much you, for coming, um, hanging out with me for shoot almost the whole episode. <laughs> I appreciate it, bro. This has been real dope. Um, for those of you who want to connect with me, you know how to do it. You can go to my website, iamjoshrogers.com. You can connect with the podcast on Instagram at the Jigsaw Podcast and send in some letters, comments. Um, if you have some questions, we're going to keep them anonymous. We'll answer them and try to provide advice. You can send them to, we'll we'll make a new segment for that if, if you send them in. But you can send them to the Jigsaw Podcast at gmail.com. Um, you can write us in that way and then also continue to connect with us on Instagram at the Jigsaw Podcast. I think I said that. I don't have any other announcements, but I cannot wait to come back and talk with y'all and hang out with y'all again as we try to figure out this thing called life. And remember, don't let life stress you out, but do what you can while you can, the best way you can. But remember this, don't you ever get caught with your work undone. This is all. See y'all next week.